Brooklyn's Radio. Loving arts and entertainment. I'm joined in the studio now by Valerie Ellis. Valerie is an artist. She's also uh, the director of visual arts for our week in June. Uh, welcome. Hi, Barry. Welcome have you re- have you recovered from your Valentine's Day obligations yesterday? Um, I did all right this year, actually. Uh, Mrs R didn't do too bad. She was quite pleased with me. So, yes. How about you? Well done. No, my my lover was very kind to me. Oh, hey up. Hey up. We'll talk about that one later. Uh, I thought before we talk about the Visual Arts uh, Week activity in Surrey, which, of course, is in June, mm. uh, let's start by finding out a little bit more about you, Valerie, because I, I found your background story fascinating from your art exam days that you were talking about mm. in a other podcast, uh, through to what was quite a difficult upbringing for you, I think, mm. before you sort of left the UK and went to Australia. But fill us in on all the details in the journey. Okay, yeah, I grew up in Surrey, and I, I, like a lot of people, I had um, a family who weren't particularly good at being kind and supportive. They seemed to be very good at, at um, criticism and put-downs and, and making you feel bad. Um, and that was a struggle for me growing up. I found that um, that interfered with me fulfilling my potential, and my potential really was as an artist. That's what I was naturally good at. And, uh, for example, when I was at school, when I did my art exam, I got the highest mark in the country that year. And I did one day's work to get it. How did that come about? Well, I, I, because I was, I say, very unhappy at that time, I spent a lot of my time sort of focused on friends and people around me and trying to get the love that I needed from people instead of studying at school, you see. So while I had been in art classes the entire year, I hadn't paid a lot of attention. And uh, I did my, I went in for the art exam. I did the drawing that we were meant to do. I went to leave. And then the, the art teacher said, oh, where's your portfolio? And I said, what portfolio? (laughs) I had not listened all year, you know. And she said, well, you need a portfolio. And I said, okay, well, and she let me stay in the class and I did a portfolio in one day. I I painted and drawed and all the rest of it through the day, submitted it. And uh, you got the highest mark in the country that year? That year, yeah. Oh, bravo. Thank you. That's nice. I mean, it's a natural <laughs> talent. I mean, obviously, it's a, I, I don't want to take too much credit because if you can do it in one day, it's a talent. It's not work, is it? Maybe if I'd worked harder, I would have done even better. But she was very kind and supportive. And But unfortunately, although that's obviously a talent, and a, a lot of people have this, they have something they're brilliant at naturally, if their emotional needs aren't met, then those come to the fore and, and that's what people are trying to satisfy first. We need to have our psychological interpersonal needs met, then we can fulfill our potential as people. And so at that point, instead of sticking around and going to art college, which I was supposed to do, I ran away to Australia. Couldn't get further away if you tried, could you? As you do. <laughs> That's right. And, and who was out in Australia then? Um, I had relatives there. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, they were sort of not dissimilar to my family. So they were similarly sort of critical, harsh people. And I, I ran away again. I, I, I was in Brisbane. People may be familiar on the east coast of Australia. There's Brisbane. There's a very coastal lifestyle. And I ran away from the people who I had gone to Australia. Uh, and where to did you with. run to then the second time after you've left your family? I, I went nowhere. I mean, I, I was, you've got to bear in mind, I was a sort of very naive 18-year-old. And I left where I was living and I literally had a suitcase and I was sitting on a wall on a, by the beach looking at the sea, then realising I'd run away to nowhere. I just right. was concerned with escaping from what I felt was a very oppressive situation 
um, rather than where I might be going to. And and in the end, I ended up in a, a, a home for runaway teenagers, which it seems absurd. If you meet me, I am so middle class looking. I'm like upper class, darling. I'm n- I'm, I am not a tattooed sort of drug taking person or anything like that. I'm, I'm very ordinary. And right. so I ended up in a, ch- a children's uh, sort of runaway children's teenagers home kind of a place. The, the, one of the people in it actually said, look, most of the people who come here are coming from families who have drug problems. They don't have luggage. You have luggage, you know, so we need to get you somewhere. So this person ultimately helped me get a job, find a flat, flatmates, um, and, and grow up a little bit more uh, on the Gold Coast near Brisbane in Australia and, and slowly get a handle on life. And, of course... In those early days, there must have been a turning point because you didn't become an artist. Even no. though, you, know, you took a completely different career. How did that all come about? Well, I again, I was searching for sort of love and validation from other people first. And I had a boyfriend who could see my struggle and he gave me a book, a book on psychology, which completely transformed my life. Up until this point, I don't even know, I don't think I knew I was unhappy. I can look back now and, and know that. But at the time, I was, it was like I was walking through life with my eyes shut and my arms stretched out with no idea what I was doing. And reading that book made me realize I have an inner world. I have feelings, thoughts, hopes, ambitions, fears, hurts. And if I have an inner world, that's determining the quality of my outer world. And if I want to improve my outer world, I've got to get my inner world straight. I've got to get that. I've got to understand it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was really transformed by psychology. I realized this about myself. And so I went to university and studied psychology, finished a four year degree and became a therapist. And you practiced for quite some years out in Australia. 20 years. 20 years. And you felt obviously fulfilled by that. Did you keep the art up during that period of time or did you completely drop the art? That's always running alongside. But yes, the therapy is clearly um, something that you get fulfilled by because you realise if you've been a person who's hurt or uncared for or been struggled through life, you have a deep compassion for other people who are experiencing that. And, And you know how important that is to help others with. So as a therapist, I was very passionate about my clients, very committed to their well-being, but always in the side was the art trailing alongside that. And, and the artwork that you've produced, well, let's, let's step back. 20 years out there, what brought you back to the UK then? The, I got to a point where I thought, OK, I've become a therapist and done this t- for 20 years to remediate a problem I had, to fix a wound I had right. from childhood. That's enough now. I would not have been a therapist if I hadn't been hurt. And so I wanted to do with my life what I would have done if I hadn't been hurt. Who would I have been if I'd had loving, nurturing parents instead? So I got to the point where I thought, you know what, enough's enough with that, with the past and the hurt. What's my future going to look like? My future is art. That's who I am. Very interesting. And I love the way looking at your website and the exhibitions that you've uh, shown your work at, how you combine the past and that career qualification that you had into your art form so tell us about some of the work that you produced there's some beautiful work actually thank you that's you're very kind to have have had a look so I taught myself I'm a self-taught artist what they call a self-taught artist so I did the usual watercolors and oil paint and I can paint portraits and all the usual thing but there's a point where you think "Hmm, that's not quite enough so 
I there was an occasion where I came up with a series of work called First Impressions, mm. which was the first time I thought, now I've made something that is unique to me, deeply meaningful, and and has some originality. So what it involved was taking paper and crumpling it up then re-smoothing it out and putting various surfaces, surface finishes on it. It's a symbol for the first impression some people have from their childhood. So there's often a metaphor used, oh, you know, we're like a blank piece of paper when we're, mm. we're born, when we mm. arrive. Sure, and if that's nurtured and looked after, it stays that way. But for some people, their parents or someone else comes along and they grab them as a piece of paper and crumple them up. Yeah. And the first impression that's made on them is damage. So what I was doing in this series of artwork was symbolizing that in the crumpled artwork. And I took that to London a couple of years ago and showed it at an art fair to phenomenal response for, to people, all the way from some people looking and saying, wow, this is the only original work in the fair, because a lot of it's very uh, sort of um, decorative. Mine was more serious all the way through to people saying um telling me their story i would tell someone looking at the artwork what it meant and i had people telling me standing in the middle of an art fair telling me about their childhood and tearing up so it really touched some people very very deeply it it symbolized for them what was going on inside of them and absolutely combines that psychology that you have with the, the childhood impressions that you were talking about as well. The two pieces of work, I don't know if you can actually describe them on air and we can get the picture in our minds because I thought were very powerful. One was brown skin, mm. which I thought was amazing work because it looks like it is damaged skin and the way that you it, it looks like it's someone trying to just heal the skin, which I so thought was fascinating. Imagine a, a brown piece of card. And, it, and someone's grabbed it from either side. Yeah. And, and with those hands, those hands, are, my hands were covered in black charcoal. So what I did was then smooth out, try to smooth down those crumples where I'd grabbed the paper. And in some places, the paper had torn. So I took pieces of masking tape to cover up the tears, to, to repair the tears. So what you end up with is... As you say, this image of skin, it looks very much like brown skin with bruises on it and tears in it being taped together. And that was one piece in the show that really touched people. There was a couple standing looking at the artwork and I said, oh, do you know what it's about? No. So I explained it. And the woman said, actually, it's my brother who's looking at this. And he turned to me and said, I went to Afghanistan and that's how I feel inside. Wow. And I, I remember saying to someone at the time, if I had died on the spot, I would have died happy, knowing that I had made something that represented something really important to somebody. It's very hard to represent another person's experience out in the world, mm. conceptually, with abstract art. Mm -hmm. So for me, that, that was the moment I knew I'd done something important and original, and I knew I was on to something that would be important for the audience. The other one I thought was very powerful was Topography of Hurt. Mm. So that was the first one in the series. Okay. So that was a white piece of paper. And again, black charcoal on hands, grabbed the piece of paper in the middle. So there's a sort of, um, it looks like a topographical map across the middle of the piece of paper where mm. you've, I've rubbed charcoal across and it grabs all the high points. And that, 
the, the name of it actually came from an art critic. I, I talked to an art critic in London. She works at Christie's, um, and she's reviewed my shows. And I, explaining the, I was explaining the concept of it to her, and she said, oh, it sounds like a topography of hurt, what you're mm. making a topographical maps of hurt. And it just nailed the concept perfectly. So the topography of her was the first piece that was sold from that series to a lady who I think I remember she was saying her sister was going through cancer treatment and she she felt that it really represented the struggle that her sister was experiencing. Very powerful stuff. So that was called First Impressions, wasn't it? The whole the whole series was called First Impressions. And that's all available on your website. Yeah, some, of, some pieces are left. At least yeah. to, to see the work yes. so people can actually look for you. I was um, looking at, we'll talk about it in a moment, actually, just some of the general work that you've done, which is on your website, which is beautiful. And I was showing Fee, my wife, yesterday, and we're going, oh, my goodness, love that, love that, love that, which was great. But I wanted to talk to you about, you, you talked about one exhibition that you did, but the other exhibition that I thought was fascinating uh, was uh, conceptual work called Spread Too Thin. So can you explain to me what's behind the thinking of that one as well? How okay. did that all came about? Yeah. So having worked with paper in the previous series, so first impressions was paper, and I like paper. I thought, what, can I, what more can I do with paper? The precursor to paper is paper pulp, which right. is called cellulose. In, in, in the industrial term for it is cellulose. Why? Because it's cells. The cells of a plant, the inside of the cell stripped away, the outside surroundings of a cell stripped away and the shell of the cell. So cellulose paper is made of cellulose, plant cells, which I feel is a, an amazing metaphor for human beings. A, the basic structural unit of a plant is a cell. Right. The basic structural unit of a human is a cell. So it's a fantastic material to represent human flesh or the human experience. So I, I got some of this cellulose, I'm playing around with it, I'm spreading it out, and all of a sudden it occurs to me, sp if I spread this out, if I spread it too thinly, what happens? Mm -hmm. And I think what was happening in my mind was I'm in the middle, like everyone else, of the current political social milieu, which is feeling like more and more is being demanded of us with less and less what is called the cost of living crisis. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to do more with our lives, but we've got less with which to do it, which means we are spread too thin. So if I take cellulose and spread it thinly, too thinly, what happens to it? It gets frayed at the edges, holes right. appear. It becomes fragile. It falls apart. And all those phrases are ways people describe themselves either physically or psychologically. I feel frayed. I'm falling apart. I'm, I feel fragile. Holes are appearing in my life. So what I did was take cellulose and spread it thinly in a variety of different ways. I tinted it with ink, dried it out and made it into sheets of paper that were framed and then hung up in an exhibition in London. And where was this exhibition? Which one was this? This, is, this was last October. Okay. Yeah. And again, I, I have critics come and people come along and, and they got it. You know, people could, could see what was conceptually held in the paper. And a lot of people said, hey, the paper actually looks like skin. And of course it would. When I think about it, of course it would, because our skin is made of cells. Cells are going to react a certain way when certain things are done to them. So there are pieces of paper which look 
incredibly like the palm of a hand or the back of a hand or the wrinkles under your eye. So the, the concept really played out con, um, conceptually, visually, and also in these small examples through the series of papers that look like skin that's been th- spread too thin. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> brilliant work. Brilliant work. And Thank so you. there are two exhibitions that you've done. So, so, and you've, you've, you've displayed your work where? Let's go through where you've been. Which galleries have you been? So there's a Spaccio Gallery in Shoreditch. Okay. There's the Saatchi Other Art Fair. Yep which is on the east side of London as well. Okay. And then the latest one, Spread Too Thin, was in uh, NoHo Gallery, which is in Soho. So a very a very chic west side of London kind of a place. <laughs> and have you got any new series of work that you're working on at the moment? I am. A series called Veils. So when uh, I was in the gallery last year another artist came in and we had we got to chatting Mm. and she is very interested in the intersection between art and psychology as well so we've come up with a a concept for a new exhibition called veils so this is really around the concept of how do we feel about things when they're obscure to us how do we feel about things that we can kind of see and not kind of see how do we feel when we're showing ourselves, but someone else isn't showing themselves to us. What do we veil about ourselves? What do we want veiled from us? So the whole exhibition is, is exploring the concept of veiling as an experience that we have. Also an object that we can put on, yep. but mostly as the experience we have when we encounter things we can't quite see clearly. So when and where might this take place? We're looking for a venue in London, but I would like to bring it to Surrey as well, because I think London shows Surrey has an audience for as well. Got it. So let's, let's talk about you a bit more. Let's talk about what your art classes do. So you do private tutoring at the moment. Is I do. Right? Yes. I, I mean, I tutor people in their home if they want that. I'm okay. also doing an, I do an art class for pay, um, drawing, pe- teaching people to draw as well. Uh, what sort of standard have they got to be? Is this, can Zero. You, so Zero. you can be a beginner I, and you can come along and Valerie will teach you the basic skills and, and show you enjoyment of art. Like I literally show people how to sit. Like right from the start. I know you're looking surprised, but I've had people say, wow, by telling me how to sit, you've completely changed how I do this. And and so people don't realize it's a physical thing. It's, it's not, it's not an eye thing. It's a hand thing, isn't it? Drawing. So it's right from the beginning. This is the pencil you use. This is the paper you use. This is how you set, sit. Let's go. So your art classes are running at the moment in Weybridge? Or? Yes, yeah. They'll run over and over each month. Oh, okay. So yeah. you can just join up at any given stage. And if they yeah. want, people want to join up listening at the moment, what do they do? Where do they go to? I think the website, you can go to veryvalerieellis.com and, and there'll be a page there. At the bot- scroll to the bottom of the website. There's a art class link. You can find that and... Um, yeah, join the art class if that's what you want to do. Fabulous. Uh, we've been talking about Valerie and Valerie's career, but now we should move on and talk about the big event that's coming up in June, uh, which you are the Director of Visual Arts for. That's right. So <laughs> what is going on? Sounds fancy, doesn't it? Yeah. It's great. You deserve the title. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. Thank you. Uh, so if you live in Weybridge or the area, you may be aware that there's a group called the Weybridge Society, and they were formed by locals who 
care a lot about making sure Weybridge is a nice place to live. So um, what they mostly do is interact with local government to try to ensure that that happens. Right. And the chairman of that is a lovely man called Dave Arnold. So if you want to join a group in the area who to support the lifestyle of Weybridge and protect it, you can go to weybridgesociety.org.uk, I think it is their website, and join up and see what they're doing because they do wonderful things to make sure Weybridge stays a nice place to live. The Weybridge Society decided that as well as dealing with these sort of planning issues in the area, they wanted to do something sort of proactive to make the community nice. And so they came up with the Weybridge Festival, and that's run for the last two years. And that's basically a day where there are stalls and music and things to do in Weybridge. That It's a fun place to come and do stuff and meet other people. So that went really well for the last two years. It's, it's grown massively between year one and year two, from mm. our experience anyway, of going along and doing the PA systems there. We, you know, year one with, with Judy and, and with Dave and with Nick mm. and uh, Paul did a great job. But you, you, afterwards, when you do the, you know, let's just go back and think about how we did this. Mm. There were things that, that everyone learned. Mm. And then, you know, last year being the, the, the Jubilee Festival, mm. much, much bigger, mm. crowds way, way larger. But, you know, still they want to grow and grow and make it bigger and better, mm. which is why they're moving away from just the one event on the Saturday mm. to make it an, an all-inclusive event for Week, Weybridge. Exactly. So they, they did, as you say, that they had a soundstage last year, which was very popular. So that's coming back for this year for the, for the day of the festival. But they wanted to expand it out. So, so the, for the week up leading up to that, which is uh, the Weybridge Festival being managed by Nick Thripp. So if you want to be involved in the festival in general, Nick Thripp, who's a member of the Weybridge Society, is, is managing that, is the, the director of that. He um, he's planning a whole series of events. So one of them is a or, or there's a week of cultural events, things like poetry, dancing, um, quiz nights, things like that as a lead up to the festival day. So if you're interested in sort of local culture, uh, I would contact the Weybridge Society and, and try to get hold of Nick and, and to be involved in that if you want to be involved in that. And I've been given the visual arts directorship. So we're focusing on, on the visual arts in particular, as opposed to the performing arts and other cultural aspects. And this is going to be the week-long event, so you're going to have things going on. And, and when you say visual art, just d describe the different okay. types of visual art that you'll be All right, so, so visual art you can break down into basically two-dimensional and three-dimensional. So two-dimensional art's the kind of thing people think of. It hangs on a wall. Three-dimensional is what you might also think of as sculpture, so things you can walk around, so things that exist in, in three dimensions. So that's what visual arts is, roughly speaking. And what I'm planning for that week is there's three broad areas. So the first one will be workshops. So people like to look at art, but also perhaps have a little bit of a try of it, a little bit of a feel of art. And Dave, the chairman, said to me, look, let, let's try to give people a, 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 an experience of art, not just look at it, but do a little bit of it. So we'll be, a, we'll be um, doing an open call for providers of workshops to come and do workshops during that week so people can dip their toe in the water of visual arts. Next, we'll be having art talks. So for some people, art is a little bit confusing or a little bit some people have said it's scary so we'll be doing a, a series of talks about art to make it unscary and unconfusing uh, for example we have a um, we have a photographer I think we've lined up 
a Fleet Street photographer who's going to be telling us all about photography and some... He's some, listening because he, he's emailed me. <laughs> and some... And some um, can we say sexy on the radio? I think we okay, can. All right. Some sexy stories about being a Fleet Street photographer. So he, he may resign now having, I may have put him on the spot, but he'll be doing us a, a talk on photography Brilliant. and we'll have different talks leading up in that week as well. So you can come and learn about art, understand art, have a think about it, have a chat about it. So that's nice. But of course the centerpiece for this is a series of exhibitions which will also be competitions. Okay. So um, there will be com- exhibitions in various locations around Weybridge of various categories of art, and local artists are invited to put their work into these exhibitions, and there will be competitions, and, of course, where there's a competition, there are prizes. There's a winner. Yes. <laughs> three, well, more than three winners. Lots of winners there will be, actually. I, I'm, I'm fleshing out the details now, so I'll... I was going to ask you, so to, so to end, for, really, for today's session, mm. where are you in the planning of all this? And if people are listening at the moment mm. and they want to know more, mm. uh, maybe they even want to either participate, help you, mm. or, or be one of the artists involved... Mm. Where do they go? What do they do? How do they find out more? All righty. So at the moment, I'm looking for venues and sponsors. So we have some venue ideas already. But if you have or know of a a fantastic big space in the area, let me know. For example, on the high street, there's Waitrose. A few doors up, there's this very interesting empty neoclassical building, which I believe is owned by the post office. Someone's told me. So I want, for example, that building. I'm coveting that building. Are you listening? Can yeah. we help? <laughs> yes, exactly. So if you have anything, if you own that or, or know someone who owns that or something like that, I want that and that kind of thing. So, so contact me with that. I, I want sponsors. So I'm, we're looking for local businesses who are very concerned with aesthetics or visual arts or culture to approach us as sponsors, whether that's the visual arts with me or contact Nick for the cultural events as well. For contact, what I'd like people to do if they want to get involved at this point is I want you to go to Facebook and join the Weybridge Society Facebook page Okay. because we'll be putting updates there. You can go to the weybridgesociety.org.uk website and sign up for their newsletters as well. We'll be sending out newsletters there. You could find me on Facebook if you like. You can find you can go through my website and sign up to my emailing list because I'll be putting out newsletters every month with updates, explaining what you can do to be involved. So they're the first steps. If you think, hmm, this sounds interesting, I want to get closer to this, Facebook, websites, and then we'll keep you up to date. Brilliant. And just to recap, the actual week of the event is when? The 17th to the 24th of June. And I think you're going to be coming back into the studio with me once a month just to update people Mm. in Weybridge on where we got to. Absolutely. You'll you'll be hearing exciting things about sponsors, venues, art categories, performers, special guests, talks, prizes. It's all happening. It is all happening. It's going to be a great June. Looking forward to it. Valerie, thank you so much for coming in today. Been a pleasure having you in the studio. And we look forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks' time. One more quick plug for your own website, which You're is... very sweet. Thank you. It's verryvalerieellis.com. Valerie, thanks for coming in today. Brooklyn's Radio. Loving arts and entertainment.